Welcome back to this season's second episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. I'm joined, as always, with Ben, my co-host. This night, we are going to be discussing the tournaments that happened over Feast Week. Uh, So we're going to discuss the PK-85, the Atlantis tournament, and the Maui Invitational. Uh, We will not be discussing the Grand Cayman uh, tournament. I, I venture... I venture to call that a tournament, Ben. I think that was that was just fire fest. If you had basketball, that was that was terrible. That's all that has to be said. There's really not much else to be said. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, flow hoops. I don't know who you are. If the tournament but... was on flow hoops this week, it didn't happen in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you are better off just. Just going to stream East or any of these other uh, illegal sports streaming sites because don't don't try flow hoops and their uh, quote unquote legitimate services. Uh, so yeah, all that next and more on the line. Hunter to Stefanovic. Here he is, Williams. Patient going to work. Got it. The answer. Three seconds. No timeouts. Harper for the win. Waters, deep three for the win. He got it! Wow! Wow! Drive the basketball. And there he goes. Here he goes. Drive the the basketball. basketball. They get it back, though. They get it back. Seal for the win. Oh! And can they win it? Legendary career has come to a close. And Brown on Manic, and here we go. Manic circling around. He slipped underneath. They go to Love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off. The game is over. And Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. All time. Ben, let's start with the PK-85. Uh, Phil Knight, whose birthday, I, I don't even think it's this week, correct? Uh, it's just he, this month. Yeah, okay. Okay, so he just, you know, when you're the founder of Nike, you you get to make big-time decisions like this. So he has a tournament now for his birthday, which I respect very much. This tournament was elite. There was, a, there was plenty of good teams in it. Um, a little interesting thing about this was we had the the legacy in the championship bracket. Is that legacy correct? Legacy in the invitational. Okay, legacy in the invitational. So two different two different brackets. Uh, uh, they didn't play in the end. Don't know why. Don't ask me why. Uh, that would make too much sense. But we're gonna start with the legacy bracket. Uh, so for the legacy bracket, Ben and I are each gonna give you. Uh, a team that impressed us the most, a team that you know maybe disappointed us, and then the player of that, uh, the player of that bracket. So Ben, why don't you start us off with the team that impressed you the most? Man, the team that impressed me the most had to be Purdue. 
uh, three dominant, dominant wins against a, a good Big 12 team in West Virginia, Gonzaga, who we always know is a great basketball team, and then just absolutely throttled Duke. And they did it with power. They did it with size. They did it with shooting. Every every piece about it was just absolutely impressive, led by Zach Eady. Just absolutely dominant basketball player. Very, very impressive for the Boilermakers. It was very impressive because here's a team, obviously, you know, they, the national media that's probably not glued to college basketball as much as they are the NBA would tell you, well, clearly they're not, they're not going to be as good because they lost, they lost um, Jay Nivey and they lost the other big guy. Uh, Travion Williams. On his name. Travion Williams. Thank you. I almost called him Caleb Swanigan, RIP. Um, but, but they lose those two heading into the year and you're kind of saying like all right well it's it's going to be the same old same old however i think the roster makeup of this team works much better than it has in years past and now they can really go through Zach Eady and it's it's not as clunky uh i was i was impressed with them overall they 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 played phenomenal I agree with you. The roster construction is a lot better. They don't have drivers like Jaden Ivy. They don't have another big guy to you know swallow up the middle and let Ed have his room. These two freshman guards, man, Lawyer and Smith, are just shooters, and uh, they hang around the outside, wait for Ed to find them. Ed dominates down low. Mason Gillis is a great swing guy. So is Ethan Morton. I, I agree with you. This is great roster construction uh, for Matt Painter and Purdue this year. Yes. Uh... Braden Smith, the kid from Westfield, Indiana, he's a freshman. Uh, he's already shooting 44% on 18 attempts from behind the arc this year. Uh, so if, if Lawyer and Smith give you more of this, uh, you know, just get the ball in, space the, space the floor, knock down threes, I actually think Purdue's roster makeup, like we just said, it's it, it's going to pay dividends. And uh, maybe they don't have to run into – St. Peter's in the second round or in the third round again, and uh, maybe they'll be able to get get further on in the tournament. So uh, enough enough praise though. Let's get on get into the teams that uh, disappointed us. And so in this bracket, Ben, what was the team that disappointed you the most? And uh, you, you and I were kind of we're you and I were talking about this before. It might be a little surprising, but uh the team that really disappointed me surprisingly was duke uh they made it to the final they went two and one they beat a good xavier team but 54 points 71 points and 56 points for this team with all these offensive weapons it's just not enough it's it's not going to get it done in the acc it's not going to get it done in ncaa tournament they just have way too many weapons to have this offensive output i was very very surprised yeah it it is important to note that there's there's still there's still without Derek Whitehead, correct? Yeah. Okay, so he he's been out a large portion of the year. I, I think he finally, I think he finally showed up uh, some games, but I mean he's he's getting back into the flow of things. He only played eleven minutes against Xavier, only seventeen minutes against. Oregon State. So I mean, this was a highly tedded freshman coming into the year, and he's just he's not been out there due to injury. So they're still getting their pieces back, but like you said, it, it's kind of the lack of firepower. Like they just it that 
they're still Duke and they 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 should still have other guys besides Derek Whitehead. And I I was I, I was not impressed at all either. Like they Oregon State, you know, I mean, shout out Wayman Tisdale. They they had that great run to the Final Four a few years ago, but this is this is just not a good program, and and for you to only put up fifty four points on them is kind of kind of alarming, to tell you the truth. It is, it is. Um, but let's move on to the player that was the MVP of the tournament by far, and we already talked about him, Zach Eady. Uh, man, if he can keep this up all year, I think we're looking at our uh, Naismith Player of the Year. Just absolutely dominant. His decision making's gotten a lot better. His touch around the rim's gotten a lot better. Nothing nothing else to say. Just complete dominance in all three games. This guy looks at the top of his game right now. Uh, the, the center's been cleared out for him. Sky's the limit for him. Yeah, the sky uh, literally is the limit. And uh, Because if you're a 7'4", you will be reaching for the sky quite often. And uh, that's what Zach Eady's doing. Shooting 61% from the field right now. It, I mean it's just incredible and i got to give him praise because he's shooting 75% from the from the charity stripe and if you're going to be 7 foot 4 you're going to get hacked more often than not so the the fact that he's shooting 75% is is really impressive um i wouldn't be surprised if Zach Eady does win the Naismith player of the year all right let's move- category for the uh for the legacy tournament is the game of the tournament. I actually think it happened tonight. It was a great game between a really, really good Xavier team and a, a excellent Gonzaga team as always. Heavyweight fight. Really, Both teams really, really shot the ball well. Gonzaga going 54% from three. Xavier going 53%. Uh, Colby Jones had it going. Drew Timmy had it going as always. Uh, they got some nice output by with Strother for five threes. Two teams that can really, really score the basketball. I'm excited for Xavier this year. I feel like I'm always high on Xavier, but I'm really excited for Xavier this year. Brought back a lot of veterans. Colby Jones, you know, Fremantle and Nunge. I think it should be really, really good again. Um, what do you think about Gonzaga in this tournament, Casey? you think uh, they might have found, you know, their turning point offensively? I think they've found – a turning point offensively. The problem is it, they can't guard anyone. I, I mean, they they don't guard anyone. Tran, their transition defense is terrible. It is. Uh, it, it, it seemed like every time I looked up, Gonzaga was just giving up a transition bucket. There's a lot of pointing fingers. Um, I watched the Texas game, and I, I could not believe – how much Texas just got out and and did whatever they wanted to them in transition. You might be saying, well, what does that matter? Because they play in the WCC. The WCC is a lot of teams that do want to get up and run with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gonzaga's dominance recently has been more of you you can't really run with them because they have elite athletes. They have Chet Holmgren running in transition. Um, they have, they have Suggs getting back in transition. Uh, Nemhard. I, I mean, all these guys. They don't they don't really have that. There's not that 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 veteran leadership that there has been in years past. Besides Timmy, and 
I don't, I don't know. I, I think they're a very skilled team. They don't they don't have that um, discipline that they've had in years past, and they're already they're already suffering a, a ton of losses. I mean, everyone everyone wants to say, oh, well, it's the same old Gonzaga year after year. You know, they don't play anyone the whole the whole time, and then they get in the tournament and they finally lose a game or two. Well, the last four or five years, Gonzaga's been playing in these tournaments and they've been doing a little bit more than just holding their own. They've been actually like dominating them for the most part. It they they did not impress me at all this tournament. Um and yeah, you, you just you, you can't only be beating Xavier by four points and you 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 got shelled against Purdue. So it 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 it's not good. I agree. We'll see if they uh, can play some better defense going forward. You're right. They're going to go up and down the floor a lot in the uh, WCC. So they better tighten it up in the next month. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's kick off the invitational bracket with a little bit of a bang here. Uh, <laughs> the team that impressed us the most went one and two. In the in the in the bracket, uh, and and that's Portland, the, the Portland Pilots. Uh, so Portland starts off playing Michigan State. They lose seventy eight seventy seven. They played Villanova, beat Villanova eighty three seventy one. Uh, Villanova might be making a discussion later on in this in this show. Uh, and then they played North Carolina, and they lose, and they lost to North Carolina eighty nine eighty eighty one. I was extremely impressed with the pilots because I, I think we should t- let our audience know this is not like a good WCC uh, program. And I'm not saying it's not going to be a good WCC team this year that they might, and, and they might get in the tournament. They might be like this year's St. Mary's or, um, you know, so- something, something to that nature of San Francisco. But I don't, I don't think there are really uh, formidable program year in and year out. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. They're usually bottom of the WCC. Like they're not a so usually I, hanging down there with Pacific and Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to be with Pacific and Pepperdine. Uh, you want to be at Pepperdine because it's in Malibu and it's beautiful, but you don't want to be uh lumped with them athletically. But yeah, I was I was really impressed with them, and part of me thinks maybe it was just, you know, they they were on the home court. I mean this this tournament did happen literally in their in their home arena, in uh the Chill Center. But maybe maybe they do have something special here. So I I am looking for them to to take this momentum to go forward. I mean, any team in America who plays UNC, Villanova, and Michigan State and goes net plus four against those teams, uh, I'm going to give some praise to a very, very good. uh, Portland honestly could have won all three of these games. Michigan State came down the buzzer. They were in the North Carolina game to the last three, four minutes. They were pushing them the whole way. Yeah, I don't know if it was a little bit of uh, protecting the home court. They did play, you know, a at a couple different arenas that they were using in the PK, but they're all in Portland. And, uh, man, 
they really shined. Uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see this all year in the WCC and they're going to be a tournament team or anything, but they deserve high, high praise for their output in this tournament. Yeah, they, they, they play Oregon uh, December 17th. So I'll be, I will definitely be tuning in on that game to see what does it look like? Do they, because the, the next four games, uh, Sorry, New Orleans, you're going to lose to Portland. Uh, the next four games are extremely winnable for, for Portland. But when they play Oregon, let's see if they can actually carry that carry the momentum along with the four wins that they just built up. So let's move on to the team that disappointed us. And for me, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to bag on this team just yet. So I'm going to bag on North Carolina, uh, North Carolina. You, you you come into the season with all this hype, and and rightfully so. I mean, you you had the big run, but you squeak by Portland, you lose to Iowa State, and then you don't. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say you don't show pride because even even in a consolation bracket, you you went to you went to quadruple overtime, so you. You lose to Alabama, and and Alabama's a, a phenomenal team. We'll we'll get to them in a little bit. But I was just a little bit disappointed with North Carolina as the as, as a contender, right? I mean, this is we have to judge this within itself because North Carolina is the number one overall team and and a potential championship winner. So we can't just say, okay, well. You know they, they play these teams really well. We have to judge them to that standard, and they they did not live up to that standard. So I, I'd have to say I'm a little disappointed with North Carolina in this tournament as well as to start the year. I am too. Uh, you think it'd be a fall to start to the season when you bring back four starters from a national runner-up team? Uh, just very very strange. Doesn't it's almost like their chemistry isn't there yet. Uh, one one game is offensively, another game is defensively. There's no way in the world they should be letting uh, Portland score 81 points on them, and there's no way in the world they shouldn't break 70 against Iowa State. As great coach as Iowa State is, and as great defense as they play on a nightly basis, North Carolina simply has too much firepower to allow that to happen. They have one of the best bigs in America. They have one of the best guards in America. They have the best guard tandem in America. There's just no way that these things should be happening for them. Uh, Hubert Davis is going to take a really hard look in the mirror about what this team is doing because they're not going to make a Final Four playing this way the whole year. I, I was disappointing them as well. Um, If you recall last year, you and I were concerned about North Carolina's defense. If if no, you were to say scored everybody <laughs> exactly exactly, but but that that, that kind of leads me to my point. If you were to take the pulse of North Carolina fans, what percentage do you think would say, you know what maybe maybe R.J. Davis and uh, and Cole just got hot at the right time. I mean, I think they're still very confident in the team they have. And they expect them to still go far. Uh, I mean, don't you have to get hot? Don't doesn't every single team have to get hot to make it to the final four of the national championship? I, I think, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think their fans are saying like, "Oh man, last year was a fluke." I, I think they're still expecting this team to do big, big things. All right, I, 
Some something to monitor in my eyes. <laughs> some something to monitor. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, we'll move on to player of the tournament. I I was so impressed in this Alabama Michigan State game watching the freshman, uh, Brandon Miller for Alabama. Just so polished for a freshman. Uh, an array of scoring moves. He goes to the basket. He's pulling up. He's catching shoot threes. He just really has it all. He he has all the makings of a top ten pick, and this is really what Alabama I think has been missing is this f- uh, wing forward player who's just dominant on a nightly basis. They always have the guards. They always have the the big men who can roll to the rim and stuff. And Nate Oates is a good coach, but this might be the missing piece, Casey, to a, a true true SEC and uh, national contender. Is this guy Brandon Miller? Man, he he is so good. Yeah, extremely smooth player. Um, it, it looks it looks effortless for him, and and I completely agree with what you said. Bama never really gets the the high end. I don't want to say wing, but I mean that that's kind of that's kind of what he is. But he's such a he's such a great shooter. He's he's a great passer. He's a great dribbler he he really does it all it it, it looks it looks effortless uh he reminds me a little bit of cam reddish i'm not gonna lie um but but in in the best ways possible so uh and and i i, I gotta i gotta give love to my guy mark spears uh he played not, excellent in this uh yeah. this four overtime north carolina game which is obviously the game of the tournament i mean if it, if a game is yeah. one of three, one oh one and four overtimes, yeah. that's hard yeah. to beat. Yeah. Uh obviously obviously Mark Sears was was on those Ohio teams that, that upset at Virginia. So he's he's a veteran. And then for for them to keep Quinterly, yeah. Uh, I mean I mean if if Bama beat UConn, we're probably talking about how you know impressed we were with Bama in this tournament rather than Portland. Uh, I mean Bama, Bama really impressed me. Yeah, one last note on this tournament. Uh, UConn is up 14 with three minutes to go, finishing the touches on a great, great tournament run. They weren't really challenged in this tournament. Blowout against Oregon, blowout against Alabama. I, th- I think Alabama had a little emotional letdown after that Michigan State game. They played almost flawless basketball, and then they came out and things didn't go right for them early. UConn kind of swept them away, and UConn's taking business against this frisky Iowa State team that we've seen. So, Big shout out to UConn. Uh, they might be Big East favorites at this point. Tristan Newton, these Carolina transfers playing great. We all know about Adama Sanogo, uh, one of the best big men in America. Well, let's move on to our next tournament. We have the Maui Gym Invitational presented by Maui Gym. Um, a, a great tournament field as always, but, but this year... I felt the tournament fields really delivered. And in my opinion, we saw the game of the year. I'll be amazed if anything tops that Creighton Arkansas game. And we'll definitely get to that in a little bit, but let's start off with the team that disappointed us. Uh, I want to, I want to get into it right away. I didn't bag on Villanova. I was nice to Villanova. I'm not going to be nice to this team. The Louisville Cardinal have, what has happened to the Louisville Cardinals, Ben? This basketball program is it's 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 gotten to the point where like 
it does not matter who they play. I expect them to lose. Not not struggle. I expect them to lose. This is a bad basketball team. It's a bad basketball program. And I I, I can't believe we're here. I really can't. I, I feel bad for them. This is this is alarming. Yeah, a uh, part of me kind of thought, you know, the first three losses against mid-major teams all by one point, you know, maybe that's, I don't know, not a little bit fluky, but, you know, those things happen early in the season and they just, you know, the, the coin toss didn't go their way. But the way they just got blown out in all three of these games just confirms it. Um, not really a special Cincinnati team they lost to. Uh, the Texas Tech team, I think, is pretty stale on offense, scored, and they just ran it up and down the court on them. 13 uh, points. Yeah, they scored the 13 first points half. and a half. Uh, uh, no notes. Uh, Louisville is in an atrocious place right now. I, I could not imagine being a Louisville Cardinals fan. And and again, if if you haven't been following college basketball and you're like, well, well what's, what's Louisville's record? They're 0-6. They have not won a game. They've lost to Bellarmine, Wright State, Appalachian State. So, of course, when they played Arkansas, Texas Tech, and Cincinnati, they'd get murdered. They didn't have a shot. It's it's bad. It's bad. I, I feel if bad this for was I, a, If this was a Premier League team, the coach would be fired right now. Dude, they might they might fire him. <laughs> but does he make it to Christmas? I've never seen someone get fired that early in college basketball, but uh, we'll proceed. Let, let's go to a more positive. Yeah, I'm note. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who is the best just, team you saw, Casey? It's Creighton, and, and and here's why it's Creighton. Creighton coming into the year, they they, they had a little bit of this prove it mindset to them. I think I, I think there was a lot of people waiting to say, well. You know, I mean, the Big East isn't what it used to be. Yeah, they 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 play in a good conference, but the Big East has its own style of play. They're bringing back a, a lot of guys who aren't used to that high caliber of basketball. When they play the the you know the better teams, they're going to kind of get exposed. They they didn't back down from anyone this tournament, and that that Creighton. Arkansas game was awesome. That was everything I like about college basketball wrapped into one in the Lahaina Civic Center. It was it was truly a, a magical game. And this Creighton team, I mean, I'm going to steal what you've said and uh, what I've heard plenty of people say. They they do have the best starting five. Uh, I mean, Nemhart, Colomo. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the center. Paul Sprinter. Yeah, Cockbrenner. Uh he's he's awesome too. Does does Shireman start for them too? Yeah. Yeah. It, what's it, it's crazy because Shireman, I don't think even Shireman started for South Dakota State. He 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 was severely underused at at South Dakota State. He comes to Creighton, he's one of the best guards uh in the big A start right away. And honestly, he might be one of the best guards in the country with the way he played this weekend. Uh, I love Creighton since the beginning of the season. I've loved them in every single game they played. They they took Arizona straight down the buzzer. It took a really, really great Arizona performance to beat them. Uh, I agree. This is my favorite starting five in America. 
they have really everything. They have guards who can guard. They have guards who can shot make. They have guards who can handle ball, have two guards that can really handle the ball. They have a center down low who's, you know, dominant around the rim. And then they have Kaluma, who's a swing man, who's, who's locking up your best wing, who's tough inside, who's getting some rebounds, uh, who's scrappy. And uh, this team is awesome. They're going to have to find some protection from the bench at some point. But, uh, man, they're going to win a lot, a lot of games, which is their starting five out there, just getting a 10, 15, 20 point lead before they put the bench guys in. Very, very impressive from the Blue Jays. Impressive for the Wildcats as well. Um, my player of the tournament was Malo for Arizona. Um, I just did not see him replacing Coloco like this. Coloco was such a special player, I thought, last year with his combination of length and athleticism and also playmaking. Man, Omar Balo has been incredible this season. He has been everything Christian Coloco was. But man, he he's got a little bigger frame. He, he's got maybe a little bit more athleticism at seven foot two sixty. He really moves around, and uh, he put he put thirty and thirteen on Creighton in the title game. Just an absolutely unbelievable performance. He has filled in extremely adequately for Christian Coloco on this Arizona team. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely go off follow there, but I'm gonna go with someone someone whose team. You know that they, they they won the consolation bracket that they won they won the third place, but this particular player he he just he just blew me away and and that's Anthony Black. Um, he's a five star freshman from Duncanville, so he's got that he's he's got, he's got the high pedigree being from Dun- Duncanville, Texas. But the 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 kid just he he plays under control. He can use both hands. He's a six, seven point guard. Uh, I, I mean, he he he's an absolute freak. He's going to be a lottery pick, no, no doubt. And um, if if you want to hear something really scary, the kid was born in two thousand four. So uh, <laughs> do with that information what you will. I'm getting old. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what I took from that. Uh, but he's he's a freak. And then honorable mention to, to Bailey Shireman. Uh, he was, I mean, if you listen to this podcast last year, you you heard us talk about Bailey Shireman for South Dakota State all last year. He he's got one of the best strokes in all of it, I, ever. I, I've never seen it. I can confidently say he is the best left-handed shooter I've ever seen in my life. Like I that is not hyperbole. He he has the best looking stroke for a left hander that I've ever seen. It's it's effortless. He can shoot from thirty five, and and he makes it look like he's shooting from fifteen. He was not rattled at all against Arkansas, and this is someone who is playing in the Summit League. He was beating up on Denver University. He was beating up on South Dakota, North Dakota. Like, he was playing scrubs with all due respect to the Summit League. And now he comes in, and he's playing against Arkansas, making threes in their face in crunch time. It was it was incredible. So, shout out Bailey Sherman as well. Absolutely. He's, seen, he's made the transition look absolutely seamless. My actually favorite shot of his with all the 35 footers is that little 12 foot turnaround jumper when he backs down the guy. It's it's unguardable and he's got great touch. It goes in every time. Uh we did mention that Creighton Arkansas game, that was just exquisite basketball from both sides, high, high level. 
Um, we'll move on to our last tournament, which is the Battle for Atlantis, uh, Tennessee over Kansas in the final. Uh, Tennessee was my most impressive team. Just the way they played defense, uh, they really held Kansas in a stranglehold in, in the title game. Did the same thing to a USC team that I actually think is not that great on offense this year, so they probably should have. And they held Butler to 45 points. Uh, Tennessee always has been a pretty good team defensive uh, team under Rick Barnes, and they're showing it again. Sakai Ziegler leading the way uh, at the point. It's just an incredible perimeter defender. I mean, the kid's not even close to six foot, but he plays with all heart. I, I love him so much. Uh, you know, Tennessee just really made it look easy in all three games, and beating Kansas like that was very, very impressive. It it, it was. Uh, they have so many of these weird six six five six eight body types that that they can just throw at you and they all play elite defense they all can switch um and you know they are led by my guy uh santiago Vescovi, uh who's who's not been shooting the ball so hot but you know he's gonna He's going to get it going. He had it. He had it going a few nights in this tournament. Uh, shot, shot fourteen threes against Kansas, made five of them. Uh, but you know, one thing about Santiago is he's going to keep chucking. Oh, absolutely! He's getting an open shot. He's he's going to keep chucking. Yes, yeah. Santiago's never seen a shot he didn't want to take. I think the scary part about Tennessee is Julian Phillips, the five star, has really not even got his feet under him quite yet. And not really to find a role in this team. Once that happens, this is going to be a very, very scary Tennessee team. What team disappointed you the most? Man, I, I thought Dayton was going to do better in this tournament. Uh, to to go zero and three against NC State, BYU, and Wisconsin was kind of surprising for me. I think Dayton has pretty high hopes this year. Uh. You know, they came into this tournament ranked pretty much expecting some wins, but 42 points against Wisconsin was very, very disappointing for them. That, uh, that's a basketball back about uh, <laughs> 70 years. <laughs> that game was painful to watch. 64 <laughs> points against the NC State team that's not known for their defense at all, and then losing to BYU, who I don't expect to be a very good team this year. Pretty disappointing from Dayton. I, I think they expect to contend with the top of the A-10. And uh, they should have picked up some non-conference wins here. To go in three is very disappointing for them. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. Uh, Dayton Dayton was extremely disappointing. Um, I was I was also a little I was also a little disappointed in uh Butler, but. I don't think Butler really has the expectations like Dayton does. So for, for that reason, I, I, I agree with you. I'm going to say Dayton as well. All right. Uh, my most impressive player was, was my guys, Kai Ziegler. Uh, he, he's just been playing awesome basketball to start this season. Five foot nine, one seventy one, all hard. He plays the best defense on the court constantly. He's constantly on the ball, 14 points, uh, against Kansas in the final, really playing great defense on those Kansas guards. Just uh, one of my favorite players on one of the teams that I hate, I can remember in recent memory, 
I don't like their team. I, I don't like the attitude of a bunch of their players. And Zakai Ziegler is almost like a Jose Alvarado type. Like you just can't hate him. He he plays with so much heart. He's so small, but he acts like he's one of the biggest guys on the floor. And he's very very smart. Um, loves to pass the basketball, but always takes his open shots. I, I love the way he plays. All right, that's a that that's a good one. Um, I, I I'm I'm probably I'm probably gonna just agree with that one. Um, the 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 guy that jumped out of at me a, a lot was Olivier. Uh, I can't say his last name. Nakoma Nakomo. Yeah, I think that's right. He he kind of he, he kind of piqued my interest as someone who. Not that I'm low on Tennessee, I, I'm not. I, I'm not like I. I think Tennessee's a very, very good team. It, it's just I'm cautious on Tennessee. If that makes sense, I've I've seen this song and dance before. Um, uh, it's just it's tough for it's tough for me to buy in because I I just feel like it's the same thing every year, but. Olivier impressed me just because of his willingness to, to kind of do the dirty work. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for them. Yeah. He got an uptick in minutes this year. We saw him last year. He played pretty well. Uh, he played a lot more towards the end of the season. I think what you're getting at with Tennessee is, you know, they've never really had that guy where it's like bail us out in the last five seconds to shot clock. Go they get a never, bucket. They never. And they didn't that. really add him this year either. They're still more team oriented. You know, find the open three point shooter, have the slashing yeah. wings to the to the rim kind of thing, and uh, that can work. But then when you get cold in one game and you don't have somebody to just go to and be like, he can get us twenty five points tonight, it gets a little tough, especially because you know you're gonna have those games in the tournament where you're cold from outside. So, uh, I think that's probably what you're getting at at Tennessee. Yes, that's. Uh... Thank you for contextualizing that better than I could. Uh, and is the last time they've they had a guy like that, Chris Lofton? It might be. I don't. I don't remember a guy like that. And even um, he was a lot of off ball stuff too. Yeah, he was. He was definitely. Uh, what was the game of the tournament for you? Obviously, it had to be forty three, forty two, Wisconsin over Dayton. <laughs> Come on. Just like James Smith intended. <laughs> the Kansas NC State game was very fun. Uh, I thought NC State played uh, pretty well in this tournament, honestly, throughout. Terquavius Smith is doing his thing again. I think he's rising his draft stock this year. Just a pure bucket getter, and uh, he played pretty well in that Kansas game, so I'll go with that game. I'm actually going to go with the uh, the the Tennessee-Kansas game, and it's not from a entertainment it, it but it, it – it's just from what Tennessee showed me that game. And I was I was blown away watching that game and, and watching how Tennessee just controlled that game start to finish. So I'm gonna say that game, but but more for what it showed me about Tennessee and what they can be. Absolutely. All right. So we're gonna move on to our news segments. Uh Casey, would you like to introduce them? Yeah. Uh so you know, we're probably gonna be doing these overall college basketball episodes every every week and i was thinking what what better way to to shed some light on high level college basketball 
than just having the worst thing we've seen this week and the best thing we've seen this week. So um, I'm going to kick off the worst thing. I feel like I've lit into Villanova and, and Louisville enough. So I have to go with the worst thing being the ending to the LSU Kansas state game. And I'm not just saying this because I'm an LSU grad and LSU fan. That was absolutely egregious. It, it it cannot happen. It should not happen. There's people are betting on these games. There's people making jobs on these games. Um, Bonuses are decided. You, You got I, I cannot believe what happened. And if you did not watch, here's what happened. Get, I'll give you the scenario. LSU was down two points with 4.4 seconds left, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they inbounded the basketball. And Trey Hannibal drove the length of the court and made a layup. The clock never started. And they said, well, he took too long. And they waved the bucket off at the end. I, I, how can you say he took too long when the clock just never started? He, if the clock started, he would have seen the clock and actually made a shot attempt as opposed to just going coast to coast. As a player in that situation, you're always looking up at the clock and you were in such a zone that I promise you, Trey Hannibal probably did look up and he, he saw the same same time over and over again. And he wasn't thinking anything about it. I, I And the fact that they just waved it off and they didn't even, it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's it's unacceptable. That there's too much money involved in college basketball for a, a, a game 10 like that and a championship game at that. It was, it was ridiculous. I agree. Um, the worst thing I saw this week was not only did we have the Dayton Wisconsin game that finished forty three to forty two, but on the same day over in Cancun, you know, across the Gulf, we had Auburn and Northwestern also play a forty three to forty two basketball game, combining for twenty seven of one oh six from the floor. Um, just atrocious. And I I saw a stat that this was only the second day in college basketball history that we had two 43 to 42 games in the same day. And so that was the worst thing I saw this week. All right. Well, well give me something. Give me something to cheer about. What was the best thing you saw this? The week? best thing I saw this week was in the San Diego state, Arkansas game where we had two point guards, just absolutely going at it in elite battle of, you know, two premier college basketball point guards. And there were nine inches separating them. And it was incredible. Darian Tremble at five foot nine playing his heart out. And uh Anthony Black, as we mentioned, is six foot seven, just a huge guy. It went to overtime. It was great point guard play for both guys. It really just shows you it doesn't matter what you look like, what your size is. Uh anybody can play basketball. And uh Darian Tremble's prime example of that. The Seattle transfer, who is also we talked about with Shireman just transition seamlessly in the major college basketball. All right. That's a, that's a good one. Um, For me, the best thing I saw this week and uh, you know, this is, 
this is just a case where sometimes you need to you as a university need to need to just just take a little gander on uh the 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 image that you're going to conjure up when you when you put this out there and that was the uh the Leon the Leon Black Invitational by the by the Texas Longhorns um it, it, for those of you who don't know who Leon Black is uh, a little backstory uh curb your enthusiasm written and starring Larry David has a character played by JB Smoove, who is uh Leon Black, and Leon Black is one of the funniest characters in television history. Uh Leon Black for Texas basketball was a was a basketball coach in the 60s and 70s who uh, unfortunately passed uh this past year, and now they have a tournament named after him. But you know, this is just one one of those situations where uh you, you know maybe maybe find another way to incorporate uh Leon Black's name into the tournament and not just call it the Leon Black Invitational because I I I generally thought for <laughs> for like two whole minutes that that this might actually be some sort of Leon Black uh a, a deal because JB Smooth's like is connected to Caesar so I was like maybe it's a <laughs> maybe it's like a gambling tournament i don't know but no it was just it was just northern arizona and et rio grand valley getting their butts kicked in austin so love to see it love to see it yeah um we're gonna be recording the lsu episode later on in the week and then uh the the new cadence will probably be sundays uh and we'll we'll recap the week of college basketball and we'll, we'll try to give you more of a preview uh next week but this week with with the tournaments we wanted to definitely highlight those so thank you for listening as always rate subscribe um tell a friend tell your dog get your dog to just subscribe have your dog tell all his dog friends that's how we build it up number one college basketball podcast for the dogs see ya